1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Putting into your self-rentice super fun, the younger that you are doing this, the better you'll be.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with successful buyer's agent and founder of buyer's agency, Your Property, Your Wealth, Daniel Walsh. We are discussing self-managed super funds and some of the advantages and some of the risks that come along with it, why you should be looking to start up one sooner rather than later and much, much more. In this episode, we're discussing the topic of self-managed super funds and we start off by hearing about one of Walsh's clients and their background.
0: I was working with um, Emily and Matthew for the last sort of 18 months or so. Um, Now, they had already sort of had their own family home, Uh, they're in their late 20s, they've sort of established their careers so we've got Matthew who's a police officer, Um, Emily, she works in admin, Um, they have two children as well so they've sort of built their family um, they've got their family home that they want to live in for the next, and they you know, want to live in that for the next 20, 30 years. That's so sort of their their long-term family home. Uh, but they wanted to build wealth, and they wanted to do that, in, um, I guess, outside of super and um, also inside of super as well. So I guess it was coming up with a strategy for their incomes, for their lifestyle uh, to be able to build that property portfolio.
1: Did they know that they wanted to... Um, start investing into property at that point in time, or and they, they formulate their strategy, or did they come to you to sit down and work that strategy out?
0: So, around 18 months ago, that they, they came to us, they already had their principal place of residence uh, in Sydney. Now, that uh, property market that they were in at that point had some good capital growth, and they had quite a bit of equity in their house. Uh, they built the house themselves, and um, I guess at that point, they, they knew they had equity, they knew they wanted to invest, they had no idea on strategy, and they had no idea on where to invest. At the time of coming to us, obviously, with Sydney Market and where they lived, it was quite expensive. So they knew that they wouldn't be able to purchase something in Sydney, it was out of their price bracket. And also, they were quite a nervous investor so they were, you know they're just sort of jumping into this investment world and they didn't really want to go out there and purchase a you know eight hundred thousand dollar to a million dollar house they wanted to I guess be a little bit more conservative um, and build their portfolio with maybe three to five hundred thousand uh, dollar houses so that's when they come to me to sort of say you know what we know we need to buy say maybe something interstate um, and I have no idea where to even start with that
1: We find out about one of the specific issues that the client faced and how Walsh helped them through it.
0: It was probably more so Emily when we first uh, had a chat. She was speaking with me and saying, you know, she wants a good-looking home. That was one one of her big things. Was she was. She wanted to have a really nice looking home and she didn't want to have a bad tenant wreck that house. So I guess they were coming from an emotional side of things looking at this going, we, we almost want to buy a second family home and we don't want uh, the tenant to have any wear and tear on that. We don't want the damage. We don't want them to ruin that house. So I guess what we had to do was sort of take a back seat with them and say, you know what, we need to be building this portfolio from a business side not an emotional side. This isn't your family home. You have your family home. Um, We need to understand that when we build the uh, portfolio that it's not about what you want, but it's about what does the market want and then looking at where is the best opportunity for you right now to get good capital growth and a good rental return um, for that market. And again, each market's different. A house in Sydney might be very different to a house in Brisbane or a house in Melbourne. They have different quirky sort of things and what people are looking for in those different markets. So again, what a lot of people do is they come to the, uh, I guess, the, they, they come to buying an investment property and if it comes to interstate, they're looking at what they want. And that was when we had to really come back and say, I know that you know you want what you want, but we need to look at what the market wants.
1: Walsh delves into the intriguing decision for his clients to jump into a self-managed super fund so early on in their journey.
0: We jumped into the first property in Brisbane um, and again, we, we went into a market for about I think the first property we paid $339,000 for the property. Um, we had a, the idea of buying something with a higher rental return of say 6% so we got uh, $400 per week for that property so a 6% rental return um, and again, that, the strategy behind the first property was to have a really good rental return, um, they were nervous investors they were nervous about the cash flow side of things as well, again, they've got a young family they want to know they can pay the bills so we went for a little bit of higher return when we set up everything for them to purchase, what we did first was we extracted the equity from their house um, they had $340,000 worth of equity that we could extract the first thing we did was we kept $100,000 thousand dollars buffer they were quite risk averse they wanted to know that if anything was to go wrong and someone lost a job can they pay their bills and what's their survival rate basically so we put a hundred thousand dollars aside for them straight away and then we allocated the rest of the money for deposits for the first two properties so we bought a good cash flow property for the first property and again the, the aim for that is to, I guess, that's probably one of the, the properties that they would retire in because it is the higher cash flow property. And then from there, we sort of went to a property with about a 5% rental return. Um, but that was a, a good balance between, uh, I guess, a capital growth play and the cash flow play as well. It's not costing them anything to hold, but they're also going to get some really good capital growth out of that property to balance the portfolio. Once we purchased the second property, uh, and again, the higher yields were because, uh, I guess, of income sh- uh, strains as well. So, you know, their incomes weren't uh, huge to be able to build a massive portfolio. And they did want to build the largest portfolio that they could. Um, but they also recognized that they, you know, with the incomes that they need to increase incomes over time. So we were conscious of the rental returns as well as we were building this portfolio. Um, but by the second property, we realized, you know, to get to the third property, self super Superfund, they had already had Uh, a fair bit of money sitting in their super and we knew that we could access their super to be able to continue to purchase in their super fund. That was something that we had already talked about before they even purchased their first two properties. So it was to be able to get into the third property basically straight away after that. So we purchased two properties and now we're looking at the third one.
1: We discussed why people might look to set up a self-managed super fund and some of the advantages that come with it.
0: It really comes down to a personal preference, I know that you know a lot of people, uh, aren't familiar with shares they don't you know they don't feel comfortable you know being in the share market or having uh, a, a super fund that they can't control uh, so you know they, they're looking for more stability a lot of people understand property. Um, they don't understand the share market. So they're going, you know what, maybe I want to put my money somewhere that I know where it's going to be. It's going to be a more stable asset. We're not going to see the massive swings in the market. Um, and we know that that will grow over time. Now, one of the other big things is obviously when you're purchasing property is the leverage, being able to, you know, use $100,000 worth of super and go buy a four dollars $500,000 property and then get a better capital return over that period of time, but also being able to pay down the mortgage because generally in, in and your self-managed super fund, when you're buying in the super, uh, you you generally be forced to pay principal and interest. So they know that their money, as they're putting their money into the super, it's paying down the loan. So they're reducing their balance and that's compounding down, but they're also getting the benefit of the uh, capital growth, which is compounding up. And instead of just getting a return on say $150,000, of, you know, 8% per year or 6%, 10% per year, they can now go buy or control an asset worth four fifty to $500,000 and they're going to get, say, a 6 or 7 or 10% return over the next 20, 30 years on average on that asset. So they're going to get a much better return because of the leverage that they're using.
1: Now, we delve into the other side and we find out about some of the risks that come with self-managed super funds and what you might not be aware of.
0: I think one of the big things is to understand and have a good team in place that has done this before. So when you're purchasing, um, you need to understand as well where you're going to purchase, what you're going to purchase um, and why. So one of the big things with um, with the self-managed super fund is they're going to assess the property that you purchase. So they may want you to put a 30% deposit down rather than a 20% and that comes down to the area that you're purchasing and they may stipulate a higher deposit so you might be able to check with your broker straight away before you even purchase okay I'm looking to purchase around here what's the requirements for deposit for that area that way they can work out roughly, can they afford that? Does their super have that much money left in there to be able to go out there and purchase a property? One of the other big things as well is, you know, a lot of people think that they can just go buy a property with their self-managed super fund, control that asset, go live in there, do whatever they want. There are rules and regulations. This is an investment. This is still your super. You can't just go live in the property. You can't just go renovate the property with your own money. Everything has to be done and audited in the super. So, if you wanted to go out there and renovate the property, the money has to actually come out of the super fund. So, your self-managed super fund, where your money is held, that has to be come, that has to come out, and it has to be recorded on what you've done to the property, so that you can correctly allocate that and say, okay, I've renovated the property and this is where the money's come from. You're not going to be putting your own savings into that property. That's a big no-no. The other thing as well is the property has to sustain itself. You can't be chipping in if it's making a loss. Let's say it's a highly negatively geared property. You can't be just chipping in your own money to be able to prop that up. When they assess that this asset to go into self-managed super fund. Again, the banks have still got to approve this. You've got to uh, look at it from your super and say, okay, what am I contributing to my super? What is the actual asset in cash flow? Because you're going to be paying principal and interest, so the cash flow, you know, you might want to hire cash flow property to be able to sustain that, because you're not going to be just chipping your own money and paying down the loan. It's going to be all coming out of the self super fund. So. Self-managed super funds and buying property in self-managed super funds is a great way of creating wealth, and it's a great stability asset to be able to put your money into. Uh, but you need to recognise these smaller things, and you know realise that you do have to be audited every year. That you do need to set it up correctly. You need to um, make sure you you know know who you're setting up. You can there's two ways to set it up. So you can either set it up online. Or you can go to say a financial advisor and an accountant and they can help you set up the self-managed super fund as well.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into the first question you need to ask yourself before setting up a self-managed super fund.
0: I mean the first thing you've got to do is is work out is self-managed super fund for you and that's getting the advice around that.
1: We learn about a very interesting strategy that a lot of business owners use.
0: If you do run that strategy and you do want to purchase your own, let's say, commercial building in there, um, you've also got to, I guess, almost forecast where your business is heading.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, are you enjoying the Q&A session with Daniel? If so, please keep sending your questions through. Also, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you, my listeners, just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, zero to $3.5 million in six years, five steps to high performance property investment and quote, property investory, you'll get 50% off a strategy session with Daniel. He'll personally put together a property plan during this session, which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 0431 251 609 and quote Property story. It's so important to actually understand that correctly because it's not like just you know, you have a self-managed super fund set up and you just go and buy a property. You actually have to set up so many different aspects as well because you can't just apparently buy a property inside your self-managed super fund just like that. You have to set up all these other structures as well too which is an additional cost and that's the other thing is when you go into I guess self-managed super fund, you got to consider all the additional costs that might be involved and if you're only going to be generating maybe you know a few percent per annum, um, to cover the cost of running the self-managed super fund, it might not be worthwhile but if you're going to generate more than say you know 10-15% then it might actually be something that you consider and, and that's that's something I personally had to go through because I asked myself, should I actually pull out my money from say maybe a, a, a one of the super fund um, institutions that are currently out there and um, you know, put into my own self-managed super fund where I have a little bit more control. But the costs of running it on a yearly basis, you know, you have to work out if it's going to outweigh that, and um, you know, get a better return. And personally, I've done that, you know, obviously for certain reasons because I'm investing into property as well too.
0: I think as well, like as like with setting it up, there like I said, there's the two ways to set up. You can go set it up online yourself. You can go through uh, different entities like Squirrel and different places like that. Um, so setting it up yourself online, if you know what you're doing or you have somebody that you can, I guess, run off. So, you know, maybe a mortgage broker or somebody that does this day in, day out. They can help you set that up online. The cost of doing that is quite low. So you could set up a full self managed super fund and then go out there, get your pre-approval with the banks, get ready to purchase um, and you could set that up for maybe eight hundred, eight hundred fifty dollars, or you can actually go to financial advisors and accountants, and they will go through and set up the entity for you and make sure everything's right. And they go through the financial advice, um, but that can run anywhere from say three to six thousand dollars to do that. So you've just got to look at your risk profile. and Say, who you know, am I comfortable with doing that myself, or do I? want somebody to look over everything and set it up for me. The costs are very different to to look at both ways.
1: Once you've purchased a property in your self-managed super fund, Walsh explains what are some of the next steps that you need to take.
0: You can't purchase and use the whole hundred and sixty thousand. The requirements will be that they will want a percentage of that left over in the self managed super fund for things that go wrong with the property, uh, for vacancies, all that type of thing. So they still want to know that almost it's the same as building outside of super. They want to know you have a buffer. And the buffer's got to be inside super. So you're not going to spend the whole amount. Now, what we're aiming to do with this, uh, with these clients was put down a 20% deposit. So uh, 20% deposit, obviously, in stamp duty, legals, and settlement fees. Um, and then we're going to go out there and purchase a property roughly for around $450,000 in a good capital growth location, but also balancing out the yield for, I guess, the cash flow side of things for around about 5.2% rental return.
1: So where do you start?
0: I mean, the first thing you've got to do is is work out is self-managed super fund for you and that's getting the advice around that. Obviously, it's going in and saying, okay, uh, how do I set this up? Do I have enough money? Typically, around $150,000 is about the minimum that you would need. You can combine that obviously with your partner as well. So if you're married and you have uh, a partner, you can combine your supers together. If that is you know $150,000 or more, you can then go use that set up the self-managed super fund, again, with a financial advisor, or if you wanted to go do it yourself online, you could do that as well. Um, And then from there, you need a good quality mortgage broker to be able to source you a good loan because there are very few lenders that are actually doing this now. So maybe three to five years ago, there was a lot more opportunity to be able to put uh, properties into the self-managed super fund. It is becoming a lot stricter. There are fewer lenders that will you know, have that risk appetite to be able to put that into a self-managed super fund. So having a good mortgage broker on your side, to be able to navigate these rules, regulations, set everything up, ready to go, get your pre-approval um, to go out there and purchase, that's vital.
1: We delve into why it has changed over time and how there are not many lenders that actually do self-managed super funds.
0: I mean there was a couple of reasons i think one of them is you know that maybe the advice that people were getting they they didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into to be able to purchase um so the complexity of you know this entity and, and purchasing in property was was a bit tough for for a lot of everyday people to be able to go in that and, and purchase um i know that it's it's become a lot harder to put you know let's say, uh, commercial buildings and, and stuff like that into your self-managed super fund. It's a lot harder to be able to do that. Maybe from a risk perspective, they know that maybe that's a little bit higher risk and they don't want that. So they want more safer assets. So go buy if you go out there and, and want to buy a, a six-pack of units or something like that and put that into the self-managed super fund, that's a lot harder to do these days. Um, so, I think just from a from the perspective of they just want a good quality asset that they know is going to tick over over time, you know, your nice family home, owner-occupied sort of house. Those types of properties are quite easy to put into your self-managed super fund. Once you start getting a little bit trickier and you start putting the commercial side in, you start putting, um, like I said, the... The six block of units on one title and you want to put those into the self managed super fund, that's when it becomes a lot harder to do that. And you would need to put, I guess, a lot more uh, deposit down. You might be then putting 30 or 40% deposit down. With self managed super funds and buying in your self managed super fund, it works differently than buying outside. So if you're buying just you know, outside of your self managed super fund, you're just buying in your own name, so you're buying in a company, you can then go out there and Build upon the equity, so you can leverage upon the equity from other properties. So you can go buy a property, it goes up two hundred thousand dollars, you extract the equity out, you go out there and you leverage upon that property to go buy a second one, and you can just do that so forth, right? You can build a portfolio doing it that way. In self-managed super funds, very different. You can't have the equity and then leverage upon that equity to go into a second or third property, right? So you know, like you were saying, you know, putting all your money into it. You might not necessarily want to do that so you might put a 20% deposit down, you pay your minimum P&I, uh, principal and interest repayments but then on the side, you might be you know, stashing away the, the rest of your money that you're contributing in super to be able to build up another deposit to buy a second one into the self-managed super fund because you know you can't leverage from the first one.
1: The quicker that you set up a self-managed super fund at a young age, the better it is and Walsh explains why.
0: I think as well, like putting into your self managed super fund, the younger that you are doing this, the better you'll be because obviously you're accessing the leverage from buying, you know, putting 150 grand in to buy a $500,000 asset. And, you know, if you held that for your 30 years before you could even access that, um, in terms of, you know, getting ready to retire, you would have paid that property off. Uh, It would be creating you the cash flow which would then be, you know, maybe putting you into a second property. So it might be 10, 15 years from now, where the rentals, uh, the rents have doubled over that period of time. The property has doubled over that period of time. You've paid down a fair sum of that balance, um, and now all of a sudden you're creating some good, I guess, positive cash flow at that point where you can be paying that down at a rate of knots. And you can, you know, instead of taking thirty years to pay that off, you might be paying that off in 15, 20 years. Um, but Let's say that you get to the end of uh, your retirement, you're ready to retire. You'll own the asset; it'll create you cash flow, and that asset, you know, originally might have been worth five hundred thousand, but it went from five hundred to a million, and then a million to two million. So, because you've leveraged from one hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars, the compounding effect over that thirty years is much greater.
1: The other point I just wanted to raise as well too is a lot of people, especially the younger generation, don't think about super because it's something that automatically either gets taken out of your salary or out of your wage and just put into this hidden fun I guess and then it's only when you reach to a certain age that's when you go, oh hold on, you know, this super is actually accumulating because even when I've spoken to people who Started working at a very young age, from like early twenties and stuff like that, and now they're you know about forty. They go, wow, you know, <laughs> they've actually accumulated quite substantial amount of super in there because you know all those years they've been just putting money in inside. And I, I've known a few guests from my from the past, um, I guess episodes that I've interviewed them. They've actually taken that money and invested it into their own commercial properties, which they actually work out of. So actually, c- could be a potential um, benefit if you're running a business and that you're looking for a space that you can actually pay your own self-rents within and um, yeah, I guess manage your own property there then putting it in a self-managed super fund is actually a a very smart option because it is, you know, legal to do that. So as I was saying, if you're running a business or you're running, you know, anything that you want to actually purchase a property for that business, um, you can actually put that in a self-managed super fund and then you as the business owner would be paying rent to the self-managed super fund and essentially you keep to keep all that within.
0: It is a good strategy to do that. I know a lot of, you know, business owners that do that. So I guess that they're not paying dead rent money to, you know, they're not paying rent to the commercial owner or the landlord. They're at least paying it to themselves, which is going into their super, which is, you know, going to help for when it comes to retirement, that they're going to own that asset um, at retirement rather than just paying rent and not really owning anything at the end of it. And I think if you do run that strategy and you do want to purchase your own, let's say, commercial building in there, you've also got to I guess almost forecast where your business is heading because you don't want to outgrow that space you want to be able to stay in that for the long term so that you can continue with that same strategy of paying it down and instead of I guess two years from now going oh I don't really need that commercial space or I need a bigger commercial space to be able to house my business so I think you know when you look at that strategy you've got to look at it from a long-term perspective as well.
1: Hey, just a quick one before you go, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, 5 Steps to High Performance Property Investment, you'll get 50% off any future strategy sessions with Daniel. He will personally put together a property plan during the session which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 0431 Two five one six zero nine and quote property invest story. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
0: Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers.
1: There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves
0: apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives
1: in pretty fundamental ways.
0: On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show.